You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, welcome, welcome. You are here on this lovely Sunday morning, possibly approaching afternoon, depending on where you are on the East Coast. But here in California, it's a whopping 9 a.m. And you are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next half hour here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. We are, I think, the only live call-in radio show on Pet Life Radio, and we are here for you. And it's so easy to get a hold of us. Just give us a call at 877-385-8882 or just come online, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you can come and join in on our conversation. You can ask questions, anything you want about your pets. And if I can't answer it, I will get an answer, and at least I will lead you in the right direction direction is an email we're going to get to in just a minute we're here to have fun it's free info and just to even make it more appealing give you more of an opportunity to pick up that phone or log on send me an email to dr jeff that's dr jeff at pet life radio we're going to send you from our sponsors free products that's from ProSense pet products available at your mass retailers like walmart and Target, and a lot of the drugstores around town, and also from Kong, K-O-N-G, the best toys on the market, Kong veterinary products and Kong toys, which are not only will keep your pets busy, but they are actually good for them, good for their teeth, good for their oral development, and they are basically safe as can be as far as toys can be for your pets. So they are helping us be here every week, every Sunday morning to be with you. And I had mentioned, well, first of all, if you were tuning in last week, I was live on the beaches from Cancun, Mexico. So those of you that might be able to see me because where we record these, you might notice the tan. That's because of being in Cancun, Mexico, where it was fantastic. It was great. Had a great time. And so during the week, Mark Winter, our producer here at Pet Life Radio, sent me an email, forwarded me an email. And this is kind of interesting because this happens a little more often than we would like. It's sort of like, like when the, the doctors or the person who has epilepsy, all of a sudden, years later, their pet's diagnosed with epilepsy. It's so bizarre. So anyway, this is from Dr. Bob. He's a dentist in San Pedro. And he has an 11-and-a-half-year-old Malamute Husky mix diagnosed with an intraoral melanoma. And they took out this two-centimeter mass, and he's very active and eating well. Can you help me? He gave me a number. I'm going to give him a call as well, but just for some information. First of all, how bizarre is it that it is a dentist's dog who ends up with an oral problem? I think that's kismet, that's fate, whatever. But unfortunately, oral melanomas are very aggressive, and I'm sure he was told that. However, if it has not yet invaded the bone, they are fairly decently responsive to radiation therapy, and I would definitely recommend a consultation with a radiation oncologist. That is a board-certified oncologist who is specialized in radiation oncology. Interestingly, oncology is a specialty, goes through internal medicine, and radiation oncology goes through radiation. So when you have an oncologist that is double-boarded, meaning in oncology and radiation oncology, that's two separate residencies. It's, I mean, that's pretty high power. And I know a couple that have done it and are double-boarded. I also know a number of really, really good radiation oncologists that can deal with this. Now, if, in fact, 
this tumor had invaded the bone, certainly radiation is still a way to go. But depending on the location of the mass, what portion of the bone is affected, interestingly, some amazingly radical procedures can be done to remove the affected bone and actually rebuild the mandible, the jaw. It's fascinating what these guys can do. You know, veterinary dentistry is now a, of course, also a board-certified specialty. I know a guy, Dr. Mark Smith, who is not only a board-certified veterinary surgeon, he was actually doing his surgical residency at UC Davis when I was there in vet school, but he then went on to get his certification in dentistry. So here's a guy who is a board-certified surgeon. He's like a maxillofacial oral surgeon. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty high uh, qualification, very intense training, and this is the guy that loves these kinds of cases. So for Dr. Bob, I will give you a call. You can also send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com or drjeff at drjeff.com at drjeff.com, and I will put you in touch with these uh, radiation oncologists. You know, one of the things that I'm getting a lot of, I always get questions, obviously, every day, and what I like to do is share with you some of the topics that seem to come up more often, more frequent, because my feeling is if I'm seeing them on a somewhat regular basis in my practice, then I'm sure you're, many of our listeners are seeing or asking these same questions and having these issues with their pets. So if you don't have the nerve, the courage to pick up the phone and call us at 877 385 8882. At the very least, you can listen in and learn from the experiences that I have acquired through my practice. And one of them, and again, this seems to cycle on a regular basis, it's diet. And I don't mean diet because 75% of cats and dogs in this country are obese. Now, maybe not 75, maybe 55. That in and of itself is a huge problem. But I'm talking about what do I feed my pet? There are so many choices. You go to a pet store, and now what's the buzz? The buzz is raw diets. I mean, after all, in the wild, our dogs and cats' ancestors ate raw meat, so why shouldn't we feed them raw meat? And I can give you a number of answers. Not that, that if it's the right raw diet, a diet that has gone through some process to destroy the pathologic bacteria like salmonella and certain E. coli, which could be deadly, by the way, but is, in a sense, pasteurized, purified raw meat. I have no problem with that, assuming the following. Assuming, number one, that your pet likes it. I don't care how great a food it is on paper. If your pet doesn't eat it, it's not so great. Talk to any mom who knows that there is benefit to Brussels sprouts. But talk to the kids who refuse to eat Brussels sprouts, and you wonder, how good are Brussels sprouts if the kid's not going to eat them? Well, it's no different with our pets. We have to make sure that whatever it is, whatever the best is, and I, I, and I always use that term loosely because what is the best? Really? Is there only, if you ask me, for example, what's the best ice cream? Ask 10 people, what's the best ice cream? I mean, is there a best? I mean, I like some pretty good ice creams. I'm an ice creamaholic. However, however, some of the flavors of one of the brands are better than another brand. I mean, I might have an overall favorite as far as a brand, but trust me, there are some individual flavors that some of the other companies have that I really like. So the bottom line is with pets and pet food, it's really the same. You're not going to, don't expect to find one food that just because your neighbor or your best friend's pet loves it, that your pet's going to love it. So even if it's on paper phenomenal food and the healthiest, it's got everything your pet's going to need for its life and the next one after that, if they're not eating it, it's worthless. 
So number one, they got to like it. Number two, what kind of stools do they have? Now, of course, if you switch a food too rapidly, then there will be some bowel issues. Fortunately, they are transient, but you're going to probably notice some soft stool for a while. Uh, therefore, we always recommend a very, very gradual switch from one food to the next. So they got to have good BMs. They have to like it. Thirdly, a nice shiny coat. I have had story after story of a client switching from a food that the pet was doing just fine on to something else because the 17-year-old high school senior at the local pet shop told him that this is the best food and therefore you need to switch. Certainly, it's amazing how many experts are out there. I don't even consider myself an expert and I have the DVM degree. And yet, these high schoolers that work at these big pet stores, they are all of a sudden telling you what the best is. I kind of chuckle when I hear those stories. And next would be energy. Do they have a lot of energy? Are they roaring to go? So the major four criteria, now assuming, of course, that your pet doesn't have an underlying pre-existing medical condition where your veterinarian has advised or recommended specific diets for that problem, be it liver, be it heart disease, be it kidney failure. In other words, there are many conditions, be it food allergies. So there are going to be instances where your veterinarian is going to clearly recommend or advise a certain diet. So we're eliminating those scenarios from this discussion. For the purposes of this discussion, we are talking about your basic, healthy, young to middle-aged pet doesn't have a problem and you just want to feed him a good food. So do they like it? Do they have nice normal BM, a nice shiny coat, plenty of energy? If the food meets those criteria, which by the way, you're going to find a zillion ones that do, then there's no need to go out and convince yourself of the best, whether it's preservatives, whether it's raw, whether it's the byproducts that you read about. So I'll give you some hints. And look, let's face it, many of us are on budgets and don't feel guilty if you think you want to feed or switch diets to one of these fancy, you know, in vogue foods right now with the fancy names, but they're very expensive. And if you can't afford that, then don't pressure yourself because there are many foods out there that don't have that price tag that could be equally as beneficial for your pet. So what are some guidelines? Number one, you want to, of course, check with your veterinarian. You want to look for what's called the AFCO certification. That is the AAFCO, the Association of American Feed Control Officials. There are two types of certifications that given by AFCO. One is via ingredient and the other one is food trials. Typically, we used to feel that food trials would be a better way to go only because not only are the additives, the ingredients, the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients in the food, not only are they in the food, but actually absorbable and usable. And the only way to determine that is to actually feed it to animals and test. Now, that brings up a big point. Nowadays, with the Animal Welfare Acts, how appropriate is it to have these animals, if you're going to use a standard set of animals, typically it's the beagle in a laboratory, 
to keep these animals for the sole purpose of testing them and diets and keeping them in these cages or these runs or whatever the situation might be. So there are a number of companies that refuse to do the feeding trials for that purpose or will modify a feeding trial and use dogs that are in a shelter, which they're in there anyway, and test that way. I have less problem with that. But if you have AFCO through feeding trials, depending on how you feel politically, that's telling us that not only did the ingredients and the nutrients meet or exceed those standards as established by the AFCO, but actually they work. They were put to the test through feeding trials. And there are many, many, in fact, interestingly, because of budgetary constraints, as well as possibly political views, a lot of these newfound fancy foods that the pet stores are trying to entice you to buy don't have the feeding trial certifications. Why? Because they haven't done it. They can't afford it. They want to get rich off of you first before they really, really, really test the food on animals. So that's an issue. So anyway, we are halfway through our half hour, and that's time to break for commercial. And I want to hear back when we come back. I want to know how you feel about these diets, what you're feeding your pet. Let's talk about it. 877-385-8882. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's dinner time in America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Gansert, President and CEO of American Humane Association, the country's first national humane organization. Here to tell you about our new show, Be Humane, on Pet Life Radio. Each week, we'll be bringing you the latest news and issues affecting our animal friends, and we'll also be bringing you interviews with Hollywood's biggest animal advocates, here to share tales about their pets and what they're doing to promote a more humane world. Our own highly experienced staff and friends 
of the organization will also join us each week to share what they're up to in the animal world. I hope you'll stop by. Until then, let's always remember to be humane. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. We're here with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. And how funny is it that uh, coming out of break, First commercial, a PetSmart commercial about foods, talking about the hundreds of different varieties they have. So that kind of tells you right there, try to pick the best out of hundreds. Not so easy. If you've got three choices, you can pick the best. That's pretty easy. But uh, out of hundreds and uh, mentioning names that I hate to say it, here today, gone tomorrow. Some of these food companies come and go. And uh, therefore, I, I still recommend extreme caution. As they say, proceed with caution when it comes to making these buying decisions. And uh, which brings me to the point I wanted to make is that because there are some standards from the industry, the AFCO, because for a number of reasons, be it budgetary or philosophical, some companies don't want to do feeding trials, there are still equivalent options, equal options at the supermarket levels as well. And I don't want you to think that you are doing a disservice to your pet if you can't afford $40 or $50 per bag of food, because many can't. But there are some name brands that have jumped ship according to the industry, according to the pet specialty. Those are the big fancy pet stores and have decided to go what we call OTC, over the counter, meaning at the grocery level or mass, it's called. There are a lot of good foods at the mass level. And don't be embarrassed. Don't feel you're doing your pets a disservice. If you read the label, they have AFCO certification. They have had feeding trials. And they are really good foods. So the bottom line is the criteria you want to use is not based on advice from a salesperson at a pet store. Advice, by the way, which is going to change week to week depending on the specials and the deals that they are getting from the manufacturer. So you want to talk to your veterinarian. If you wanted to talk to a nutritionist, you want to make sure that there are no underlying conditions, problems that might affect the choices that you might make, such as, as I mentioned, allergy, heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease, things like that. And if your pet's doing fine on on what they're eating, don't change. If it ate broke, don't fix it. But if you're having issues, if the food is unavailable, if they're kind of leaving in the dish, you want to try some new stuff, no problem. Talk to your vet, look at AFCO certification labels, look at your budget, and come up with some choices. And if you're going to feed, you can start gradually, do gradual introductions, gradual switches, and that hopefully can help you and solve your problem. As I said, let me know what you're feeding your pets. Give us a call. Let's talk about it at 877-385-8882. Come online to PetLifeRadio.com. Join in the conversation. There's a box right below, and clearly it says, join the conversation. Join in. And we can go from there, and you can just kind of let us know what you're feeding and does your pet like it. Cats. Let's talk about cats for a second. We can't forget about our cats. I know uh, listening to Arden and Arden's guest just before this show, you know, cats are big. More cats in the U.S. than dogs. Uh, more cats in the Werber household than dogs. I have eight of those. I only have five dogs. And they are a bit more finicky. 
interestingly, but therefore people tend to offer cats variety more than dogs. As we know, we talked about it just a few minutes ago, that when you give too much variety to a dog, they may end up getting some soft stool. Their gastrointestinal tracts do not appreciate the variety as much as the dog's taste buds might appreciate the variety. So one must be careful. Likewise, likewise, cats tend to thrive on variety. They get bored much more quickly. Fortunately, especially if you try to stick within the same brand of diet, they can handle, from a stool perspective, they can handle the variety fairly well. Now, what's also interesting about cats, the gamut, the recommendations have come and gone. They seem to cycle. And we are now, or at least I am, uh, based on the advice of some of my colleagues, specialists in the field in, in nutrition, and one particularly in diabetes, feline diabetes. Feline diabetes typically is a type 2 equivalent. That means it is not something like juvenile diabetes, like the diabetes that dogs get that just happen to the pancreas, to the, the islet cells, those are the islet of Langerhans cells, but actually it's a type 2 diabetes. It's a diabetes that has, is affected by diet, by obesity, by carb load. And one thing we know about cats as opposed to dogs is cats are obligate carnivores. Cats need protein. They need good, solid meat sources of protein, and that includes fish. They don't do well on vegetable sources of protein. They need carnivorous food. A dog, however, is an omnivore. Cats are carnivores. So therefore, one of the problems, one of the reasons why we see obesity in cats, which we do, and way more type 2 diabetes than we would like, is because of the carbs that we're feeding our cats. We are feeding them a lot, possibly too much, dry food. How many of us make I do the same thing. I have the dry food out all day. Let them munch. When they get hungry, they can walk by the bowl. It's not going to spoil. It's dry. So, however, what I do is I feed mealtime for my cats. And I don't feed. Mealtime is a meaty, canned food. And they love it. They go to their bowls. They wolf it down clearly with eight cats. It's very strategic how I have to sit there and make sure that, you know, cat six is not stealing cat three's food kind of thing. They do have names, but for ease of the show, I'm going to number them. So these are the things that we have to watch for. And then what I do is I will, once they're all done, they've had a really good breakfast and a really good dinner, I will put a, some dry food in their bowl so those that are still hungry. But it's not their primary source of nutrition. Their primary source of nutrition are the good meat diets. So again, cats like variety, you can get away with a little bit more, but try to stick with the same brand if possible. So if you're looking for a branded cat food and they have, you know, a half a dozen different flavors, get all half a dozen and test them, see what they like, see how they do. And that's the, uh, that's going to be an answer. And uh, I would, uh, you know, definitely recommend that if you are still having issues and your veterinarian may not, and, and just, I'll be real honest. There are a lot of veterinarians out there, myself included, that nutrition was not one of the major sections that we took in vet school. Of course, it was discussed. Of course, we're primed. Of course, most of the veterinary food companies, in fact, most of the companies in general, have a staff of veterinarians. But for the average GP, we probably aren't as well-versed in that as we are how to treat that diabetic cat or how to do that surgery or how to clean those ears or treat the skin. So 
you can look for on the advice of your veterinarian a what we call a board certified veterinary nutritionist. These are veterinarians that have gone to veterinary school for their DVMs and then did a residency in nutrition and become boarded, board certified by the ACVN, the American College of Veterinary Nutrition. And they're the ones that can help you. They're the ones that can give you suggestions based on many factors, such as the condition of your pet, their likes, their needs, and at least point you in the right direction. And that includes a life stage issues as well. As we know, little growing puppies need more than the older puppy, which need more than the adult dog, which needs less once they're spayed and neutered. In fact, a statistic that I just you know mind blow initially, but if you figure out formulas of caloric need, a say two or three-year-old Labrador might need 40% less food if they're spayed or neutered versus the same Labrador that is not spayed or neutered. That's amazing. So these are the reasons why obesity is such a problem in this country because nutritionally, we do not make the necessary adjustments that we should to keep our pets healthy and lean. So there you have it. I want to uh, thank you for joining me here on this lovely Sunday morning slash afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, give me a call anytime. Uh, well, during the week, you can uh, send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com or to drjeff at drjeff.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter. And again, want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong Toys. And we will be here next Sunday. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.